Hello there and welcome to Words, Wobbles and Wisdom. I'm Anne-Marie Miles and it's lovely to be back with you again this week. So our subject, you might have seen me talking about it on Instagram yesterday. We are going to look at the concept of compare and despair. But there's a question mark at the end of it. So we're going to look at whether we really do need to do that. I mean, we can feel a bit of despair when we look at what others are doing in many areas of life. As a writer, I can tell you that crushing self-doubt is a constant companion. And when I see other writers that I know doing well, I mean, I'm pleased for them, even though I hate their rotten guts. Sorry, sorry, did I say that out loud? Anyway, no, sorry, no, I mean, I genuinely am pleased for them. But I, it does make me look at what I'm doing or what I'm not doing and think, why can't I be like them or have their success or have even have their nice hair? And that's just one area of life, isn't it? We can feel that kind of comparison to other people in numerous areas of our lives. There's motherhood, marriage, career, finances, our spiritual life, even our Instagram account. And in fact, it was my training with Tech Pixies about all things social media where I first learned the concept of compare and despair. I mean, I had been doing it for years. I just didn't know there was a name for it. I mean, we can feel like underachievers in life if we spend too much time looking at somebody else's Instagram account. And I have to be honest, it was looking at other people's weight loss stories where I struggled where some are inspired by weight loss stories. I was always depressed by them. I always found weight loss success stories made me feel like a failure because I believed I would never be a success. But I think my definition of success was too narrow. I mean, even though I have lots of weight still to lose, I still feel that right here, right now, I am succeeding. Not because I've made it to my goal weight, because I have not, but because no matter what, I am not going to quit. The reason I started Words, Wobbles and Wisdom was because most of us who wrestle with our weight will always wrestle. I mean, there are people who lose all their weight and keep it off and it's all done in one go. And that is brilliant. I mean, I don't wish a red sock in their whitewash at all. But that is not the story for everyone. If everyone succeeded in that way, you know, after one go and kept all their weight off, who'd be on the front page of the slimming magazines? In fact, there probably wouldn't even be slimming magazines. Most of us don't have that one-off success. So how do we keep ourselves from the compare and despair doldrums? I tend to look back at myself before my journey started. I look at photos of myself when I was at my heaviest and I compare myself now to how I was then. I mean, at the time, I hated the girl who was in those photos. Now I feel sorry for her and I feel bad that I didn't address my weight earlier. And though I am frustrated at the moment to still be in the environs of 19 stone, which I have been for over a year now, I know that back when I was 24 stone, I would have cut my leg off to be 19 stone. Actually, if I'd have cut my leg off, I probably would have been 19 stone. (laughs) But if I let myself get discouraged by people who have lost more weight than me, or I forget that I have come so far. I mean, if I never lose another pound, I'll always be nearly five stone lighter than I used to be. That is brilliant. I mean, that is worth celebrating. There is no room for despair in that. So rather than measuring myself against someone else's journey, which is always going to be a different journey anyway, I measure my success against my old self. 
Another thing that I think is vital to keep me moving forward is to have an attitude of gratitude. One of the phrases that we're encouraged to use in the training I'm doing is, I'm happy and grateful that dot dot dot. I mean, it's not like I've never heard that before. It's a biblical principle. It's basically count your blessings. When I'm feeling like I don't want to go for a walk or I'm tempted not to cook a proper meal and do something quick and easy, which is usually not as healthy, I try to remember to be grateful that I am healthy enough to walk and run. You know, I'm strong enough to stand in the kitchen and prepare a meal and cook it. I can afford the ingredients. I have choices that I know other people don't have. Four or five years ago, I couldn't walk or stand more than a few minutes without really needing to sit down. So I'm happy and grateful that I am strong enough to exercise and healthy enough to be able to spend time in the kitchen cooking proper food. And that gratitude then spurs me on to continue to live that life. Another thing I find helpful is to set realistic targets, short-term, manageable goals, at the same time thinking about the long-term strategy. So long-term, I want to get healthier. I want to build up my endurance. I want to lose more weight. I want to be stronger and fitter as I get older. I'm going to be 50 next year. So in 10 years' time, when I'm gearing up to be 60, I want to be able to run farther and faster than I'm able to run at the moment. But to do that, I need those short-term, manageable goals, measurable goals. Keeping my steps up, which is really hard in this stupid weather. (laughs) I went out for a walk in the rain yesterday because I just couldn't bear being stuck in the house for another day. And actually, in episode nine of Words, Wobbles and Wisdom, it's all about exercise. And I shared a challenge to all of us to keep moving, even in the bad weather and the dark nights. It's hard. But as I said in that episode, I don't want to get to spring 2022 slower than I am now. So even in winter, realistic goals are so important to keep us going. And speaking of being realistic, I need to be realistic about what I'm doing, about how hard I'm trying and how disciplined I'm being in my regime. I used to have an ongoing argument with an IT guy in my old job. I would say that the programme we used didn't do what we needed it to do. He would say that I didn't know how to use it properly and he would always put my complaints down to user error. So if I get angry because the printer's not printing or my guitar sounds awful or my phone is acting up, I often find that I haven't clicked print or the guitar is out of tune, or my phone is on silent, or on occasion, turned off. User error. It's something that I suffered from for a long time, and still I suffer bouts of it now. I mean, let's be honest, I have all the tools I need to lose weight, to eat healthy, to exercise. You know, it's easy to find out how much calories, fat, carbs, whatever, are in any food. Click of a button, we can have some brilliant recipes on our phone, It's really easy to work out how far to walk. A lot of these things are not hard information to find. I've got sisters who encourage me and we encourage each other in our weight loss journey, checking in with each other every so often to see how we're doing about it. Some of my nieces and nephews watching their weight, you know, that I've got people who are interested in my journey and people whose journeys I'm interested in. I have a supportive husband. I have people who pray for me on a regular basis about my weight loss journey. 
I have the full set of equipment that's needed. The whole kit and caboodle. I mean, I should be three and a half stone by now. But you see, operator inaccuracy. User error. Always hanging around there. Why, when I have all the tools, is it so hard to get the job done? And when I see others succeeding, that comparison can really make me struggle. But sometimes it is user error. There's no getting away from that. I wonder, did you notice the question mark in the title of today's episode? Because we don't have to compare and despair. Instead of falling into that pit, how about we compare to aspire? Rather than hating the stupid rotten guts of a more successful writer whose feet probably smell anyway, I try to look at what they've done and how they've done it. And when it comes to weight loss, I did the same. I decided to reach out to some of the people I knew who were succeeding. I looked back at some of their old photographs to see their progression. I asked questions and it turns out, guess what? They are normal human beings with struggles and failures, but a determination to start again if they fall off track. Sounds a bit like me, doesn't it? Sounds a bit like you, probably. I realised that instead of saying I could never be like them, it turned out I am just like them, just at a different stage of my journey. And when I talk about compare and aspire, I know we've already said everybody's journey is different, but we can aspire to make our own successful journey. Aspire to be a healthier person next year than we are today. Compare and be inspired. Rather than being jealous of those who have made it, which I really struggle with, I'm trying to be inspired by those who have made it and continue to work on their journey. So we're not going to compare and despair. We're going to compare and aspire. Compare and be inspired. As I do every so often, I'm going to share with you a little bit of my writing to do with this subject. This is a short story that I wrote, which was inspired by listening to a conversation of two friends who were sitting near me in a restaurant one day. And the story is called Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. That's it, Mary said, licking her fingers. That's my last ever fast food meal. Barbara's chicken legs stopped halfway between the cardboard container and her mouth. Your last ever fast food meal. And when did you decide this? Tuesday, when I was in Burger King, Mary said, tipping the bucket towards herself. Is that last one yours? Yeah, said Barbara. You can have it if you want. I'm full. Hang on, if you decided Tuesday in Burger King, why wasn't that your last ever fast food meal? Ah, Barbara, I knew we were coming here today. You know how much I love KFC. So what are you going to do instead of eating finger licking chicken? Not just KFC, Barbara. All fast food. All instant food. I'm going to cook proper dinners from now on. Mary was expertly retrieving the last of the meat from the chicken leg. You don't cook, Mary. You don't even have a saucepan. I do so, Barbara. I have that big one that Mam used to boil the ham in at Christmas. You use that to store your takeaway containers, don't you? Not anymore. I've thrown them out and I'm going to use that pot. 
You're going to start boiling ham, are you? You who had the fire brigade out because you set fire to your microwave with the sausage roll. Only because I didn't have my glasses on. I saw the number 30 and I thought it was minutes. They were going to charge me money for that call out, you know. It was unnecessary, apparently. Anyway, I'm going to learn how to cook. I'm going to night classes. Barbara threw the chicken leg back in the bucket. Night classes, Mary, really. You're not exactly the prize candidate for adult education now, are you? I can't believe you, Barbara. You've been on at me for months, years probably, about how I don't eat properly. I thought you'd be a bit more supportive. I'm only trying to be realistic, Mary. The two ladies sat in silence for a minute. Are you eating that leg, said Mary, reaching into the bucket. On the following Tuesday, Mary arrived at the community centre, 25 minutes early. She looked through the glass panel in the door and an attractive young man walking from table to table was leaving a different fruit or veg on each one. He spotted her and waved her in. Come on, come on, he said. You're a bit early, but it's nice to see you so eager. I'm Sam. Mary pushed the door, nervous about her decision, entered the room, but then stood at the wall. The young man continued to leave items on each table. Mary quickly counted eight. First in gets the choice, he said. Are you better with radishes or a butternut squash? He was waving what looked to Mary like a gigantic peanut still in its shell. Oh, I don't mind, whatever. Mary stood behind a table in the back row. It had something green and vaguely familiar on it. Within half an hour, all the tables had someone behind them and Sam was ready to get started. Good evening, everyone. I'm Sam Nake. And yes, I suppose I am the Nake chef, if you like. Everyone laughed with gusto, except Mary, who had no idea why it was funny. When the person at the table next to her looked over to share the joke, Mary put on a stupid grin and shouted, Nake chef, hilarious, which sent everyone into hysterics again. When the room quietened down, Sam began. He talked about his love for food, his love for cooking. He talked about how important good ingredients are, how easy good meals can be to make. How dreadful convenience food is. How really tasty things could be if you make them at home with the best of ingredients. Mary saw one or two people scribbling like mad, taking down every word he was saying. Most were nodding at regular intervals. And every so often, the girl next to Mary would look at her and go, Is so right. Mary would nod back gravely, hoping that was the appropriate response. As you see, said Sam, I've left some ingredients on your tables and we'll be talking about them later. But first of all, I want to hear your favourite food to make. Even if it's just a standard pasta bake or good old spag ball, roast beef dinner, whatever. I want to hear from you. Tell us your name too. We'll go round the room. Starting at the front here. Well, Sam, said a very tall, slim, older lady. I'm Abigail, and I know you probably think it's the most boring thing in the world, but everyone in my house loves my teriyaki salmon. I make the sauce myself. I use a light soy, some honey, some ginger, and a little sprinkle of brown sugar. Everyone oohed and add, Oh, yes, said Sam. Lovely. I love a good teriyaki. Okay, who's next? Hi, Sam. I'm Sam too, as it happens. And you've said mine already. I'm a spag ball man. Love it. Can't get enough of it. My trick, a couple of splashes of Worcester sauce. Oh, nice, said Abigail and two others in unison. Mary was panicking now. 
She looked at the green stuff at the table, desperately trying to remember what it was called. Sam made his way around the room. There was Pat, who made her own ravioli, whatever that was. Paula, who was a vegetarian and was taught how to make real nut roast by an American lady she met on a vegetarian knitting holiday in the Cotswolds. Reg loved to make roast lamb and felt that mint sauce, in fact any sauce from a jar, was an abomination. Sally loved to bake and she was always the one who brought the pavlova to the party. Mary's heart was pounding in her chest as the girl next to her, who was called Rachel, described the lasagna she made, but confessed she did buy the kit with the jar of sauce and the packets of lasagna sheets. Reg shook his head in disgust. And last but not least, said Sam, the first person to arrive this evening. Mary, isn't it? What do you like to cook? Mary swallowed hard. All eyes were on her. She looked at the green stuff, but its name would not come to her. She opened her mouth and heard herself say, uh, Chicken. I, lo- I love chicken. Everyone oohed. How do you do it? said Sam. Are you a roaster? Are we talking casseroles here? I fry it. I coat it and, yeah, fry it, she said. Ooh, said Sam. Ladies and gents, we have a broaster in the house. Mary saw the whole room nod and smile, so she presumed it was a good thing and nodded and smiled back. What herbs do you use? Rachel asked. I mean, would you go for paprika and cayenne pepper? My sister says you can't use both of them together. What do you think? Oh, yeah, said Mary. I definitely would. And cumin? Sam asked. Uh, Yeah, lots of that. Yeah, yeah. But you have to use fresh basil, Mary, don't you? Reg was telling Mary rather than asking her. I mean, the dried stuff, it it doesn't cut the mustard. Mustard, said Mary. Yeah, definitely. And the whole room nodded in admiration. Sam whistled. That sounds finger licking good to me, Mary. He began to clap, nodding at the whole room to join in, which they did with great enthusiasm. Well, said Barbara, how did you get on at the class? They were taking their seats in Pizza Hut. It was okay, but I don't think I'm going to go back. It was supposed to be cooking for beginners, but I, I don't think it was. Oh, no, not the broccoli quiche brigade, were they? Broccoli, Mary showered. That's what it was. <laughs> okay, there we go. So time for our little weekly shout out, Frankie. What is that about? Yes, indeed. What is that about? So my bugbear this week is delivery companies who don't really make an effort to deliver your parcel. I mean, I know we've had most things delivered in the last year and a half. I am just so frustrated by companies that send me a text message to say that they've missed me. And some of them send me a a photograph of my front door. And I have been standing near the front door for two hours because I've known that the parcel is coming. But they must have come to the door and gone, Hello, is there anybody there? Because I didn't hear them. I mean, we do live in a bit of an awkward place. We live in the flat above the church. So, uh, you know, there are gates and stuff. So I, I do know sometimes the gates aren't open and that's fine. But we have known deliveries have come in. We have opened the gates. We have gravel in our car park. You can hear somebody drive into our car park. You can hear somebody, if they park outside the car park, walk into our car park. We know when somebody is arriving. I've had text messages and photographs. They must have hovered across the car park. 
How do they do it? I'm at the back of the house. I would know if somebody was driving into our car park. Like seriously, I do not understand how 10 seconds after I get a photograph of my front door, he's gone. It just drives me mad. There is a particular company who every single time I've seen that they're delivering. You know, I could sit in a tent in the front garden and they could probably take a picture of the tent I'm sitting in and send it to me and say, we couldn't deliver your package. So that's my bugbear this week. Delivery companies who do not make a real effort to deliver the package. Yes, I always feel better when I've got that off my chest. So thank you so much. It's been lovely to have you with me. If you want to get in contact or you want to listen to older episodes of the podcast, go to annemariemiles.co.uk and you'll find contact information there. If you're interested in, in looking at some of my books, they're there as well. If you are interested in buying me a coffee, that's there as well annemariemiles.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening again. Got to 500 downloads. I know some podcasts have thousands and thousands of downloads, but I am so delighted to have more than 500 downloads of the podcast since I started. So thank you for helping me reach that milestone when I got to episode 10. Hope you enjoyed episode 11 and I'll see you next week for episode 12. Bye bye.